Hello, and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Eglash. This podcast is co-sponsored by the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health, as well as the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is an international organization of physicians dedicated to the promotion, protection, and support of breastfeeding and human lactation through education and research. Our goal for this podcast series is to help you manage clinical aspects of breastfeeding medicine. We also hope to keep you updated with current research that may impact practice management. Any advice or recommendations in this podcast do not reflect official policies or views of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Today we are talking about sore nipples and breastfeeding. I have with me today Dr. Verity Livingstone. Dr. Livingstone is a clinical professor in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. She's also the medical director of the Vancouver Breastfeeding Clinic and has extensive experience in clinical practice of breastfeeding medicine. Hi, Verity. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Anne. So today we're going to talk about sore nipples. And first, let's talk about the most common reason for sore nipples. What would you say is the most common reason? Well, certainly the commonest reason by far is just basic trauma uh, to the nipples. I think what happens, particularly in the first few days just after delivery, um, the mother's very unskilled sometimes in knowing how to position and latch her baby. And the baby very quickly can start to bruise the nipple um, if they're not properly put on, you know, they're not latched deeply enough. So trauma is the first cause of sore nipples. And so if a woman presents to her physician or provider with sore nipples, how would that provider evaluate whether or not the soreness is due to latcher positioning? Like anything else, you have to take a proper history You have to do a careful examination, and then you can put the pieces together and make an assessment. So the the stories usually start in the first few days. So if a mother presents to the clinic with sore nipples, and the baby's only a few days old, and if on examination you're finding that they're just minor cracks, a little bit of bruising or some scabbing on the nipple, the the probable explanation is the baby is not using the gums deeply enough and latching far enough on the breast. So you need to sit and actually watch. You need to examine the baby's mouth first to see if there's any obvious reason why this baby can't latch deeply. The common reasons would be a small tongue tie or a little receding chin. Um, Sometimes the mother's nipples aren't very graspable. They may be a little flat, they might be slightly inverted, they might be very large. There may be a reason why the baby's mouth is a mismatch with the mother's nipples. So having looked and come up with a a possible explanation, you can then go ahead and manage the problem. So it seems to me that many women will leave the hospital with a little bit of soreness and, and then uh, maybe on day three, they're home by themselves and continuing to nurse the baby. And it seems that on day three and day four, breastfeeding oftentimes become more painful. Can you talk about that? Yes. What what I would become a little bit suspicious then is that there might be a superficial skin infection. These are basically bites. The, the, hu- the baby, uh, it's a human bite. The baby is trying to latch. They break the skin 
And then some of the oral floor that the baby is carrying, particularly a staph infection, a staph bug, sometimes colonizes this wound and then sets up a, uh, uh, basically an infection. So by that stage, you have to start looking out for signs of erythema and exudate, a little ulcer cavity, crater, um, and it's painful. So I would become suspicious that these nipples have become a little infected if the degree of pain continues after the first few days. And how do you manage that? Well, it's fairly straightforward. This is simple dermatology, really. You want to remove the fundamental cause, so you want to go back and correct the position and latch if at all possible. You want to use regular hygiene, so simple soap and water to cleanse the nipples. You don't have to wash the nipples after every feed, but definitely daily hygiene is, is important. And in my community, a lot of mothers have been told not to use soap on their nipples for fear of taking off whatever lanolin or ointment there might be on, naturally on the nipples. But the first thing is, is regular hygiene. I then sometimes use a topical antibiotic ointment, such as mupiracine is pretty helpful. Um, if I am worried, I can take a culture, a little swab, and see if there is any staph infection growing there. And you usually find that with correct latch and uh, good hygiene, the, net, the skin can heal itself. There's very little more you need to do in these first early days. So let's say that this woman goes on to perhaps become a little bit better and the nipples actually heal, but then she talks about having deep penetrating pain into her breasts. What do you, how do you approach evaluation for that? Well, certainly I think what you're just saying is that the description of pain that the mothers give is very, very helpful to try and identify what's going on. So if the mother is uh, describing pain just with the initial latch that tends to get better throughout the feed, the chances are that that's just trauma on the nipple itself. Now, if mothers say they're getting deep, stabby, burny, shooty pains in their breast, um, maybe even after the baby's fed. That makes me suspicious that there may be something a little bit deeper in. Maybe there's some ductal colic, maybe there's a blocked duct in there that's giving that characteristic pain. But the pain that is also really important is a, is a specific pain that mums described. It may be uncomfy when the baby latches, but it's a burny, uncomfortable pain around the nipples and they may describe the tissue going white, purple, pink, really aches. And that's what, that's what I would call vasospasm or even Raynaud's. And it's different to the stabby, shooting, radiating pain that might be in one quadrant of the, of the breast. Uh -huh. so if you're following me, the story of the, the nature of the pain is a real giveaway as to what the problem might be. Right. And so when you have someone with Raynaud's symptoms, how do you go about treating Managing that? that one. Right. Yep. Well, certainly you want to rule out any underlying problems. There are a small number of people who might have um, thyroid imbalance or an underlying autoimmune disorder. And then they even give you a history of having a white fingers, Raynaud's in their fingers, outside of pregnancy.
So that one's an easy one to, to look into. Um, other than that, I think Raynaud is just the end result of a whole series of, of minor problems. It's a combination of repetitive trauma, so the baby may have a slightly small chin or a tongue tie gain not deeply latched. It's constantly irritating the nipple for a, lo for a long time. Possibly a minor crack with a low-grade infection, and that's superimposed on somebody with a predisposition for this vasospasm, and then you throw in cold or exposure to air, and that, that would be the trigger. Right. So, so management goes right back to the beginning. It's correct, position and latching. Tuck that baby's chin further into the breast. Hold the head, not just the neck, but a lot of mothers have been taught. Really cradle the baby's little head and shape the breast like a sandwich in a U-hold that matches the mouth. Many of the mothers are taught to hold the breast in a C-hold. And that is at 90 degrees different to the way the mouth is working. And that alone can cause this prolonged irritation on the tip of the nipple. I suggest mums use each nursing position for no more than about five minutes because you do get ischemia and therefore it's better to use different, nipple, different positions and switch around so the, the, the blood flow can come back to each of those sore nipples. Uh-huh. And so once a woman has been switching positions at various times, uh, what else would be helpful, especially if she continues to have some Raynaud's changes after the baby comes off the breast? Certainly in the area where I live, I'm you know, up in Canada, the cold weather can certainly aggravate this. So she must wear proper clothing, not just on the breast and keeping warm on the nipple, but her whole body must be kept warm. So two layers of clothing. Um, don't expose the nipples to anything that's cold and probably put some nice direct warmth heat on the nipples after the feed. Get a heating pad or a gel, gel pad, that, pad that can go in the microwave or a hot water bottle and use about 20 minutes of warmth directly on the breasts after each feed. may help re reduce the spasm. Mm -hmm. I'm in Wisconsin, so I share the cold weather with you, and I've had moms use those little hand warmers that you can buy in a sporting goods store and put tuck those into their bras, uh, and yeah. they find that that helps them when they're outside in the cold weather. I think anything like that is fine. The, the fundamental important message, though, is that the total body has to be kept warm because the nipple is part of the periphery. So if you if you don't have enough if your core temperature is not warm enough, then they will redistribute blood flow from your nipples. So it's not just direct heat. It's, it's a hat, it's a scarf, leather clothing. Right. Um, so one other topic I just want to touch on is the issue of women who have an oversupply because it seems that these women oftentimes have trouble with ongoing pain in the nipples and in the breasts. Can you talk about that? Oh, certainly. Women who have a lot of milk tend to run into the problem of leaving milk behind or milk stasis. Then what happens is that the fluid component of the milk gets reabsorbed into the body, leaving the thickened bits, the, the, the calciums and the proteins and the things that can't get reabsorbed. So it tends to sludge up in these tiny little ducts, and it causes what is commonly called lactiferous colic. It's just a, it's like a little stone in a, in a small duct. 
very characteristically severely uncomfortable, sharp, stabby knife-like pains. And then when you look at the nipple, you very often see a tiny little white spot that might coincide with the opening of that duct. Those nipples aren't necessarily painful just when the baby is suckling. Uh, often the pain can come on after the feed. Um, but if you see any sort of pathology on the nipple, I think taking the culture is really helpful because sometimes there is a bacteria there that you weren't suspecting and it may be causing some troubles. So those little white spots that you're referring to are what some people call uh, blebs on the yes. nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And often, sometimes what you have to do is take a little fine needle and lift the top off like a little blister. And then you get a very thick jet of milk that's released. And the, the pain, in the, the quadrant of breast that's been plugged suddenly settles down and the mum say, oh, wow, that's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to open up that obstruction. And so it sounds like in those situations, the important thing is to help mom reduce her milk supply somewhat. Yes. And the thing that I found is that in our community, a lot of mothers have been told to use one breast as a feed as a way of reducing their production. The, the idea is that if you leave the other breast full, it will slowly reduce uh, ongoing milk, milk synthesis. But in my experience, this is the worst thing these mums can do because actually the breast that stays full is the one that ends up into, prop, into problems because then the milk stasis sets in because that breast is not being drained so regularly. The easiest way of handling oversupply is to take a small amount of milk out of each breast. The baby feeds quickly, three or four minutes one side, three or four minutes the other, burp the baby, the baby drinks quickly, is satisfied, and then leave the milk, leave both breasts a little on the full side. Very quickly that reduces the rate of milk synthesis hmm. and they don't stay so full. That's it's interesting. Um, and then I guess, lastly, I would like to talk about uh, women who may have a neuropathic um, yeah. sort of underlying cause that may be associated with some other issues? There's always, there are always women who have pain, nipples, sore nipples that don't seem to fit into the standard picture and are a little hard to diagnose. We haven't actually talked much about yeast. Um, Yeast on the nipples often gives mothers a very itchy, burny feeling. You don't get an ulcer, but you do often see some red erythema around the nipple. And there's nearly always yeast in the baby's mouth. So if there's no yeast in the baby's mouth, I don't believe there's going to be much on the mother's breast nipples. But there are other things. Dermatitis, eczema, um, due to allergies of lotions and potions that mothers have put on the skin. You can get history of psoriasis on the nipple tissue. Um, and you do have some women who have super sensitive nipples, and they're just made that way. And if you ask them carefully, they'll say to you that they've never enjoyed having their husbands touch their nipple, for instance, or if the hot water on the shower, they can't bear to have that. So some of these poor ladies seem to have just naturally sensitive nipples that may be finding that the estrogen that they've had has also made the nipple tissue more sensitive. I don't find, the, in the other group of mums who are suffering from postpartum depression often find that 
any symptom of anything is really very difficult to handle. And I think it's really important to assess the emotional status of patients to make sure that they really are coping with what's happening and understanding. And there are many, many times when I tell women that they need a break. If you've got really sore nipples, some mothers are about to quit altogether. And it's far better to give them permission just to temporarily take a break, give their nipples two, three, four days' time just to sort of heal. She can pump to maintain lactation. And bottles are their baby's friends. They're not baby's enemies. Um, if you use a, a vented bottle that has an air flow that allows the milk to flow out and the air to flow in at the same time, and you use a conical nipple that uh, allows the babies to suckle, they won't forget how to breastfeed. And sometimes giving the mother a break to let those nipples heal up is all that's needed. And often in a few more days, the baby's chins are starting to elongate a little bit. They're not quite so floppy. The mum's a little bit more happy handling her baby. And all of those things work towards getting back on the breast comfortably. Mm-hmm. And perhaps having her understand, helping her to understand why her nipples and breasts are sore probably make a difference as well. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I'm finding that a lot of mums just appreciate the fact that if they're having difficulties, that there is an answer and it may be it's okay to have a break or take a rest. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Things can, they can work through it. Mm-hmm. One one last thing, actually, is yeah. the issue of um, of herpes on the nipples. Would you like to talk about that for a moment? Well, certainly. I mean, herpes on the nipples is very, very rare. We're all going to maybe see one if we're lucky, but honestly, in 30 years of clinical practice, it's not something that I've seen a lot of. Um, the important thing is that you don't really want to have an open lesion um, for the baby to, to, you don't want any skin to skin spread. Um, it's usually just on one nipple. Uh, you don't get bilateral herpes, as far as I know. Um, so while the while the wound is healing on one side, the mother can continue to breastfeed on on her alternative side. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it should be treated. Herpes can be treated. Uh, any way the mother is going, any other any way a physician wants to treat, right? And then also just including included in that would be a herpes zoster. Uh, once in a while, women may have a shingles outbreak uh, that would involve the nipple as well. Well, at that stage, I mean, we're still and you're getting outside my uh, area of expertise. We've got to make sure that the baby has been vaccinated or is is protected against the the infection. You don't want to uh, breastfeed on any open lesion, um, and but she can continue to pump. She may need some pain, pain relief, but most analgesics is acceptable in breastfeeding. Right. Um, as far as I know, and these are the sorts of things that I would refer to Google or references when I'm presented with a a situation that I think is outside the area that I've commonly seen. Uh huh. I would seek help at those at that time. Right, right. Yeah, I don't see shingles very often, but just once in a great while, I'll see it on the breast, and um, usually just have moms 
pump and dump on that side until the lesions are healed or dried up. Yep, yep, yep. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Anything else that you want to add before we end today? Um, I think basically that as physicians, we've all got the clinical knowledge that we need. Most of what we see in breastfeeding medicine is, is within our normal domain. It's just not always the way we think about it. So I think when you're confronted with any soreness, any sore skin, apply basic dermatological principles with, with taking a history, doing an examination, taking cultures if necessary, and having treatment that is specific to the diagnosis and not use treatments that might be a Band-Aid treat-all type treatment. I don't think using mixtures of steroids and antifungal creams and antibiotic ointments at the same time when you don't know what's going on, I don't believe that's the best type of medicine. I think we should make a good diagnosis first, figure out how we can correct it, and then use treatment sparingly. That sounds like great advice. Well, thanks again. And, oh, you're um, welcome. Yeah, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Anne. If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frank, med.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.